welcome back to this week's episode of BC Buckets Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Beach Patterson. And as always, here joined by Headman's basketball coach, Coach Mark Figuera. And Coach, as we record this uh, Monday night, National Championship night, how are things going? Who uh, You have a prediction tonight, quick, before we get into it? I don't. I, I, I don't know enough about either team to make an educated prediction. I would guess Georgia if I had to, because SEC teams always win it, but... I'll, I'll have it on, but I can't say I'll be completely tuned into it. Right. I I would say Georgia as well. I think it'd be pretty cool to see TCU win with the uh, the connection back to Council Bluffs and Lewis Central, just something kind of local for us. I think it'd be cool. But, yeah, probably going with Georgia as well. But, no, let's dive into it last week. Uh, two tough games here, uh, one on the road, one at home. And we talked about it last week, was able to be joined by head men's coach at Dakota Wesley. Coach Wilbur had a great conversation there. And then the game that was supposed to be Wednesday, weather-wise, got moved to Thursday night. So went up to Mitchell here Thursday. Uh, let's just start from the very beginning. Uh, first half had to have really liked the way uh, the guys came out defensively, uh, specifically on the defensive side of the ball and the floor uh, offensively. I thought we had some really good looks. Um, I thought they're kind of towards the middle back half of the first half, especially with some Princeton, uh, some curl pops and some pick and pops. I thought we got some really good looks and a couple of good things off of some ball screens. Unfortunately couldn't capitalize and, and not quite about uh, quite a few down, but uh, defensively had to have been happy in that first half. Yeah. I, I thought we defended with a real sense of urgency in the first half. I thought we were flying around. You know, our goal was to make them uncomfortable. I thought we did a really good job of that. We forced a good amount of turnovers in the first half. Gave up a couple a couple scouting report errors. We gave some some open threes that they capitalized on. But all in all, defensively, we went on a run where I think we got nine straight stops in the first half. And that's that's devastating for an offense. And uh Offensively, we did some good things. We didn't shoot the ball very well. That was unfortunately a theme throughout the game. Also thought there was a couple possessions where we just forced a couple early shots or tried to make a play when it wasn't there and and it didn't really need to be made at the time. And so we go to halftime, we're up six or four or whatever it was. And I actually thought to myself walking to the locker room, just thought we could be up 12 or 13 right now pretty easily. And, you know, so the first half, all in all, I mean, we felt pretty good. Thought we had some couple offensive adjustments to get some good looks in the second half and really emphasized keeping our foot on the gas pedal on the defensive side. And then coming out of the second half, we missed a couple great looks early on. And then defensively, we just, we just didn't have the same fire, it seemed like. And I thought there was about a four or five-minute stretch to start that half where we allowed them to get – back to comfortable running their offense and they hit a couple shots got a couple and ones and all of a sudden what could have been maybe a 10 point game we look up and we're down one and from then on it's back and forth and you know we had a ton of chances we really did and and we had the lead with under 30 seconds to go with the ball and missed a shot and then obviously we gave up a, a a shot real late for them to tie which was, you know, it was disappointing. We had a little bit of a breakdown in our in our defensive coverage there. But uh, going to overtime, we just stressed, hey, we got to get back to to playing defense with a real sense of urgency. And, again, we missed a couple good looks. And, ultimately, you, you give credit to Dakota Weslin. 
they they made a couple big plays down the stretch, both in regulation and overtime. And even after it was all said and done, we had a we had to look at the rim to tie the game to send it to a double overtime and just rimmed out. And so it's you know, it's a gut punch when you lose a game like that where we felt like we controlled a lot of it and then ultimately lost. But and I mean you all you can do is really tip your cap to Dakota Weslin that a couple kids make big plays and that that was the ball game. Yeah, and I really like the the play that you guys drew up um, right at the end of overtime. There, I mean, right away it seems like everyone in the gym is thinking guard the three point line, guard the three point line. And here you have Nick Hoyt starting from the weak side coming through uh, on that elevator screen, and then screen, and then Kyle slips it, and like you said, gets a really good look at the rim there, just didn't fall, and unfortunately lost by two. And a question I've got for you, it, it, the first half, it seemed like specifically, I know uh, Connor Groves had a couple really good threes at uh, uh, setting a screen in the Princeton and getting the curl pop action, him being the pop man and, and getting a really good look from three. For for those people uh, that just kind of uh, go to go to games and don't want to or, or know how to dive in a whole lot, when they hear you um, or, or Coach Forbes or someone on the bench kind of yelling pace and things like that, just kind of briefly talk about how important pace is, especially uh, in our offense with uh, with all the curl pops and, and the movement. How important is pace to to getting that high percentage shot uh, that we look for in our offense all the time? It's right up there as, as one of the most important things. You know, everything we do is is based on spacing, ball movement, and then pace really encompasses all of it in a way. Pace is, is how fast the ball's moving. Pace is how fast we're cutting, how hard we're cutting. Pace is how fast when the ball gets to the paint and we kick it out, how fast can we move it to the next action, whatever that may be. And it doesn't mean it's just a, a whirlwind and we're sprinting around like chickens with our heads cut up. There's a lot of – it's one of the things we talked about this year is, is have a purpose for your actions. And when you couple that with really good pace – good things are going to happen. And I think one of the one of the fun things about our offense, and I, I would at least hope our guys would say this, is there's a lot of freedom for our guys to make the plays and for our guys to make the reads of what's going on. But one of the underlying things is the pace. And so I don't know if that was a good answer to your question, but that's the best I can do to, to try to explain it. And some people think pace and they think, well, we're just going to play as fast as we can, shoot the fastest shot we can. That's not it. Pace is about how the ball is moving. And, and how efficiently our, our people are moving. Yeah, no, it's well said. And I liked kind of getting a, a viewpoint for those that don't know, because I mean, sitting however many practices, I was able to sit through uh, with you guys and stuff. I know so many times in practice, it's pace and it's movement. It's got with purpose and move for the purpose. So uh, it's definitely a high percentage of it that I just wanted to ask because I know there's a few people that have kind of asked me about it here from time to time. So just kind of getting your perspective on it again uh, is really good. And like I said, I mean, Thursday night, we had some uh, really good pace, really good ball movement that resulted in some really good looks for us. Unfortunately, just wasn't able to knock it down. And, and I know 20, 21% we shot from the three point line and unfortunately lost by two at Dakota Wesleyan. And let's jump quickly to Saturday because uh, kind of same movement, same pace, same action was able to shoot a, a lot higher percentage uh, especially from the three-point line. I know we finished at the Flanagan shot a perfect 50%. Uh, so when you, when you look at it, going back into the Flanagan center, it's always nice getting that shooter's touch at home. Uh, but we came back and responded really well, I thought, uh, playing Doan here on Saturday, picking up a really nice 70-45 to 45 win in convincing fashion 
uh, on both ends of the floor, it really seemed like. First of all, Bobby, it needs to be pointed out that you just said a, a perfect 50%, and 50% is exactly half of perfect. So we just need to clarify that uh, for the listeners. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we we did some really good things Saturday. I thought our, our again, our urgency – that we're playing with defensively right now. It was really good. We really, I thought our guys were really dialed into the scouting report. And that can be a concern with just the game getting moved from Wednesday to Thursday. It takes away a, a prep day, a potential scout day. And so we had to cram probably more into Friday than we normally would have. And so that as a coach, that's something we probably overthink and, whatever, but it's still something I was thinking about. And there's a couple actions, don't runs that, that we really stressed and, and we were really deliberate about how we wanted to guard certain things. Cause a lot of times when we're talking through scouting report, there's certain things where our players have options. If they're going to do this, you can guard it one of two ways. And that wasn't the case. There was a couple things with Don. We were very deliberate about what we wanted to do. And I thought, guys did a really, really good job. You're never going to go perfect in something like that, but we did a really good job handling some of their screening actions. And I thought we made things really difficult for them to score for, for most of the 40 minutes. And and offensively, it, it took us a little while to get going, but once we got the ball moving and we got some inside-out looks and, and got, you know, got a paint touch, kicked it out, swung it, swung it around and, and got another paint touch, good things were happening for us. And so – Going into a half, we had a we had a thirteen point lead, and it felt good about where we were at. But we kind of harped back to Thursday as a reminder: you can't let your foot off the gas pedal with the defensive intensity, because it's you know two three threes in a quick span, and they're right back in the game. But I, I thought we did a pretty good job of that, and there was a couple times offensively in the second half, and we took some shots that I wasn't thrilled with, and it's not not that they're terrible shots. It's not that guys are shooting shots they're not capable of, but it's about making sure we're getting great shots as many possessions as we can. But uh, ultimately, we, we we put a nice run on, about eight minutes left in the game, and our lead went from 13 to 28 pretty quickly. And so that was, that was good. I thought our bench was really, really good, really effective for us. Um, Blake Sindelar played a great game off the bench. I think he had a season-high 12 points. Jamison Helmers uh, scored six points but made a couple plays, took a charge, did some really good things. And and Nate Hall, since Christmas, has been really solid for us off the bench. Uh, you know, he didn't score a ton, but he had six assists and, and one turnover. And so when we're getting that kind of production from our bench, particularly when we're dealing with an injury to a, one of our main guys, having other guys step up is, has been huge for us the last couple of weeks. And so that's something we can continue to build on. And I think there's some guys that are playing off the bench that should be playing with a lot of confidence right now with, with what they're doing. And that's exciting for us moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, I know in the the last few episodes, we've, we've talked about Jamison a little bit, maybe not playing a whole lot of minutes, but when he does come in, it seems like he's either getting on the floor uh, for a loose ball, taking a charge, just kind of doing those small uh, momentum shifting type plays kind of at the end of the first half going into halftime. And you have Nathan Hall, who's who's playing really well and not turning the ball over, just kind of seems like he's becoming 
uh, more physical and kind of understanding the floor and kind of get more in a rhythm with it, with his body. It kind of seems like out there and things, but the one guy I wanted to point out is someone that you talked about. I mean, Blake Sindelar, freshman from Howells, Nebraska, 12 points against Doan here. Thursday night had eight points at, at Dakota Wesleyan. So another guy that teams kind of had to put on the scouting report and, and game plan for what's it kind of meant. To, and what have you kind of seen in practice from Blake that it seems like ever since the, I would say right before Christmas break, seems like he's he's turning a little bit more kind of just is it the the typical freshman thing where he's kind of getting the speed of the game of college and it's kind of getting to him now and he's getting more comfortable or what have you guys kind of seen as a coaching staff from him? Yeah, from the get go, when we started school and it, and I mean you can go all the way back to the recruiting process. We thought Blake would have a chance to be a really good player and we thought he fit Briar Cliff in a lot of ways. And uh, as we started practice and workouts and all those things you know all the physical tools are there and as a high school player he's a big time scorer on on some really good teams and so he had all that and and just being a bigger stronger wing makes him a little different than some of our other guys and so it was pretty evident early on that he was going to have a chance to compete for some kind of role and as as the first month of the season went on he was playing a little bit, some spot minutes here and there, and then had a couple of good games. That actually started a game for us at Northwestern. And you said it, sometimes it just takes a little time. It takes a little game experience for, for freshmen to really start to figure things out. And I think I think he's getting to that point, and he may be there already, but I think he's playing with a lot of confidence. He's He's one of those guys, you know, I don't want him to go try to play like Connor Groves and Quinn Vesey because he's different and that that's good for us. He he can post, he can shoot, he can put the ball in the deck and, and he's a physical player. So he's, he's really come along defensively too. He had some struggles there early on and the last few games he's, he's making plays, he's diving on the floor. And I think everything's just kind of slowed down for him from a mental standpoint with the game, which allows you to speed yourself up physically. I know that doesn't make sense, but it does. Trust me. Um, but he's he's doing really well, and, and we're really happy about where he's at. And I think he's a guy that's going to have a huge impact on our program potentially over the next few years. And the one guy you mentioned here a little bit ago, Connor Groves, I just want to touch out. Uh, he eclipsed a thousand point mark here in that Doan game. I know he shot five and nine from the three point line, ended up with 17 points, and, and led the team in scoring. Uh, you've had your fair share of thousand point scores that you've coached from your time at Briarcliff as an assistant and now a head coach, have another one here in Connor Groves. What has it meant for you uh, and the program as a whole to have a guy like Connor, local kid, turn out kind of what he has been? And then what's it kind of also meant to, to have another thousand point score, uh, a part of that Briarcliff family? Well, first and foremost, if you become a thousand point scorer at Briarcliff, you're in pretty, pretty good company. And it's actually incredible to think about this is our 57th year of basketball and Connor's our 48th thousand point score. And he, he may or may not be the last one that, that joins that club this year. Um, so that's just incredible. It speaks to the history and the tradition and the success of the program. But, uh, you know, Connor's had a really solid career and he's a guy who came in as a freshman and from the get go played, played a big role ended up starting a good amount of games as a freshman. And he's just gotten better and better as a freshman. He just 
kind of a three-point shooter. Maybe wasn't going to do a whole lot else. And then he's really expanded his game to where he's become a really good ball screen player. He's become a good passer. He can score at, at multiple levels now. And I, I think he's become a much better defender. I don't think anybody would have accused him of being a lockdown defender as a freshman. And maybe not still, but he he's a smart player. He sees things. He can make plays. And so it's a great accomplishment. I, I'm really proud of Connor. And having a guy from Sioux City that has a huge impact on the program, that's nothing but a good thing. And Connor was a guy who was easy to recruit because I had known him for a long time. I, I mean, I watched him when he was a freshman. And at Sergeant Bluff, they had a ton of success. I think Connor went to three straight state tournaments. And by his senior year, he was the best player, leading scorer, leader of that team. And so that's so that uh, that made it easy. And, you know, on top of it all, he's, he's a great kid. He's a phenomenal student. And so I, I was happy for Connor. And, you know, he's a guy that's probably not going to make a big deal of it, but it is to me. And uh, so hopefully we add one or two more here this year, too. Yeah, so we picked up a nice win, 70-45 to 45 against Doan on Saturday. And it's nice that we came out well on the defensive side of the floor because, Coach, you look at these next two games coming up this week, it, no test in the GPAC is easy, and we've talked about that. We've had guests and other GPAC coaches on here talk about that too. But it's nice having that game on Saturday is a good momentum builder for this week, especially on the defensive side, because these two games this week, not only in the GPAC, just kind of in the country, though, just – teams that can score um, at a really good offensive clip. And, and let's start with Wednesday playing at Jamestown, a team that the last couple of years have made deep runs into the national tournament, uh, a team that is well known around uh, the NAIA and the new polls here come out Wednesday and coach the last time the polls came out, Jamestown was ranked number nine in the country for good reason. Going up to Jamestown Wednesday, uh, they create a lot of problems just for everyone. It seems like they can have guards that, can score an efficient clip. And then you talk about one of the best players in the country, honestly, and Mason Walters, just a double-double machine. Wednesday is going to be a tall task in itself, especially going, making the hike up north all the way to Jamestown. Yeah, tall task, literally and figuratively. Jamestown's front line is, is huge. Um, you know, you said Mason Walters, I don't, I don't think it's maybe. I think he's the best player in the country this year. And I don't know that it's all that close. And I don't know that there's a lot of people that follow NAI basketball as close as I do. So, I, I mean, he's really good. You look at his numbers, 29 points a game, 10 rebounds, 67% from the field, 38% from three. That's that's a model of efficiency. And and he's really good. And obviously I haven't played against him for what seems like 10 years now. Um, we've seen it firsthand a lot. But uh, the thing about Jamestown is there's so much more than – just Mason Walters, they're, they're good across the board. I mean, their three starting guards are senior, junior, junior, all multi-year starters. All three of them can shoot the lights out. Will Cords, their two-guard, had 35 at Dort on, on Saturday. And so then they come off the bench with 6'8", six, 6'8", a eight, six, eight, couple more guards who can shoot it. Uh, and I think the trap you can fall into is – you sit there and all you do is worry about Mason Walters and all of a sudden two of their guards have 22 apiece and there's no way you're beating them that way. And, and so, yeah, you game plan for Mason Walters because he's that good, but he's also that good that he's probably going to score 25, 30 points most nights. And so it's a balancing act um, in preparation with them. And they're good defensively. They're physical. 
with those big bodies, it's, it's, it's not always easy to finish around the paint. But uh, it's, it's going to be fun. We've played some really fun games with them here in the recent past. And so I, I certainly hope Wednesday's no different. Um, you know, when you mentioned the trip, I actually – people think I'm crazy. I, I love the trip to Jamestown. I really do. It's, it's not that bad. Having coached in, in a different league than the GPAC where travel is much more strenuous, it's not that bad. And on top of it, when we'll go up there on Tuesday and we'll stay the night, and when you do that, it becomes more like a home game day routine because you're not on the bus all day. Your your meals are kind of scheduled at a, at a normal time. Your shoot-arounds at a normal time. And so I think there's some positives to that in terms of a preparation. But, uh, no, it'll be fun. And, you know, Coach Neville is always a treat to, to get to talk to. And so we're looking forward to it. And we'll, we'll go up there and, and we'll give her hell. Yeah, and the one hidden gem of Jamestown in the few years I had of, of doing the meals pre- and post-game, Quiznos. Just an absolute hidden gem of Jamestown that I just love. Well, it's definitely a gem. I don't know if it's hidden, but there there is only three Quiznos in the GPAC, Jamestown, Hastings, and Dakota Wesleyan. And for our mealtime purposes, we don't go to the one in, in Mitchell. So we get Quiznos twice a year, Hastings and Jamestown. So we'll definitely be looking forward to that. For sure. And you mentioned it, that the team that we follow up after Jamestown and play Saturday, uh, we're at Dort Saturday and Jamestown and Dort played each other here this last Saturday. Uh, Jamestown came away with a, a hard fought 93 to 90 game and, and a game that went just absolutely back and forth. Uh, guys just kind of went crazy in that game. So let's look, take a look at Dort here quick. Uh, played him once, unfortunately came up on the losing end and the short end here earlier in the season, but Coach, another team that all five starters seems like can can fill it up and and put it in double figures. And I know Coach Van Haften and you have a, a good relationship, uh, respect one another, and kind of joke. It seems like no matter what season it is, no matter what Dort's record is, no matter what Briarcliff's record is, it's going to come down to about a one or two possession game every single time, whether it be in Sioux Center or in Sioux City. It's just one of those games. It seems like. Yeah, it is. Except for earlier this year, they kind of whooped us. But uh, tell you what, Dort is really good. You talk about a team with some offensive firepower. There, there's just there's not a weak link out there for them. They can come at you in a lot of different ways. Their their big guy Jacob Diss is playing at an incredibly high level. They have multiple guards who can knock down shots and make plays, and so they're they're a nightmare to guard. And on top of that, they're they're pretty good defensively. You know, they really made things hard for us the first time around. But uh, it's – I'll be honest, and I'm not complaining, but I don't know if anybody has a tougher week in NAI basketball than Briarcliff this week in terms of the opponents and both being on the road. But uh, it, it'll be a fun game, I think, when you when you get to the second half of this GPAC season, which Jamestown's our, our last team the first time around that we play. And so starting Saturday, it'll be the second time we play everybody you'll learn a lot from the first game first and foremost. And when you, when you win that game, it's easy to fall into a trap of, Hey, we did this last time. Well, that, that doesn't mean anything. You know, we played Dort closer to two months ago than one. It was pre Thanksgiving. And so, um, and, and when you lose that game, which we did in this case, you go back and I think there's a lot you can learn. There's things you can show on film to the team and 
you know, sometimes you look back and be like, well, that was a stupid plan. Why did we do that? And so you want to switch it up a little bit. But I, I think since that game, I think that was a kind of a wake up call for us in a lot of ways. And, and we've lost games in that time. Don't get me wrong, but we played a lot better after Thanksgiving than we did the week or two leading up to Thanksgiving. And so I, I think we're so much better now than we were then, but they did really beat us up physically and, and we're going to have to, to rectify that. And it's, you don't go into this game. It's like, it's not a revenge thing, but it's, you know, you, you don't want to get swept by somebody in the league. That's devastating, but uh, it's going to be fun. We'll be ready to go. And, and I think, you know, we're inching closer and closer to being fully healthy again. And uh, I think guys are feeling good about where we're at. Despite, despite the loss at D-Dub, we did play pretty well and we have played pretty well. And since Christmas, we've really defended well. And that's something we need to continue here because that, that can push us forward. So big week ahead, like Coach said here, probably the toughest, and I'll agree with you, Coach, and I was thinking about it, and you said it, probably the toughest week any team in the NAI has. Uh, we'll start out Wednesday at Jamestown. I know the women's game for that will tip off here at 6 with the men to follow at 745. And then we turn to Saturday, a little bit of a time change, uh, and Coach just reminded me of it here. Uh, track meet and events going on in the morning. So women's game at Dort on Saturday the 14th. Women will tip off at 4 and the men will tip off there at 6 o'clock in the DeWitt in Sioux Center. So big week ahead for the Chargers, both the men and the women. Uh, two road games against really tough teams in the conference here uh, to go in a GPAC play. Hey, Coach, it's that time now for the, the shout-outs here from this last week. Let's have you kick it off uh, for the shout-out you got here this week. Yeah, you kind of beat me too when you brought it up earlier, but shout-out to Connor Groves. Like I said, it's it's a big deal to score a thousand points in your career, and it's a it's a prestigious club at Briarcliff. So to, so shout out to Connor. I just want to give a shout out to uh, my apartment's snow removal. Uh, last few weeks have been pretty gnarly, so I want to give a shout out to them for getting us all plot out, getting back to the office, getting a routine. So the unsung heroes. So shout out to them. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of BC Buckets Podcast. Once again, two tough road games here uh, Wednesday at Jamestown against the number ninth ranked Jamestown Jimmies. Women will tip off at six, men at 745, and then we turn our attention to Saturday. Both teams on the road again, a little bit closer this time, heading up to Sioux County, playing at Dort in Sioux Center. Women will tip off at four, and the men will tip off here at six. Coach, two more great chances this week to make two more statements. Got to take it one at a time here. Wish you and the guys best of luck, safe travels, and we'll talk to you here next week. Great. Thanks, Bobby.